Hey, everybody, and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's official storytelling podcast. The school year has come and gone, and summer school is already underway. But before we start telling you new stories, we want to revisit some that we told you this past spring. On this week's episode, we'll update you on two stories. We'll walk on stage at the Grammys and start a new podcast. Carolina faculty members are known as innovative researchers and educators. One such teacher is Bill Ferris, a professor emeritus of history. From a very young age, the Mississippi native recorded things he found beautiful, like blues musicians. He recently released a box set of music, movies, and other recordings called Voices of Mississippi. He's won many awards throughout his career, but in February, Bill found himself at the Grammys. It was like sort of going out into a dream world. The whole experience was something that was totally unexpected. And being in the midst of those Hollywood worlds with elegantly dressed people and lots of cameras and the red carpet was kind of like floating on a cloud. You walk through in a leisurely way and Along the way, they have these booths on one side with reporters from various networks, and we stopped and spoke to some of them, and then you continue on into a big room where all the probably 1,200 to 2,000 people were seated, and the music and the stage is all set, and in a little while, all that cranked up, and we were among the first to be considered the first award for the best liner notes went to our album, and that took my breath away, and we were next, and so I just could not believe that was happening, and then we won our award. My wife, Marcy, said to April Ledbetter said, you better help Bill. I'm not sure he's going to be able to walk. Well, we all helped each other because we were just stunned by it. And I was able to get out my modest little acceptance speech, which was limited to 60 seconds. And then we left the stage. They give you Grammy awards that you hold. And when you leave the stage, you give those back because they're not yours to keep. And then for the next hour, we went from room to room with uh, reporters and photographers that were setting up photo shoots and, again, making you feel very important. After that was over, you had a break for lunch and a little rest in the afternoon, and then you came back for the big show at the Staples Center, which was, again, packed with probably 15,000 people. And the first thing we saw, Marcy said, that's Michelle Obama. She was on stage with Lady Gaga and all these amazing women who were there to celebrate music. It was really a a star-studded experience, and we felt very grateful to have that opportunity to be a part of it. 
being at the Grammy Awards was the furthest thing from my imagination. And what I thought when I was there is how grateful I was that the voices on this project, the blues singers, storytellers, quilt makers, were being honored in this way. And I tried to say that in my remarks, that these were voices that would have been lost in time had they not been recorded and then recognized with a Grammy Award as truly great American musicians and storytellers. Awards and recognitions aren't new for Bill, but the Grammy Awards are something different. I think what's different about the Grammys is it's in everyone's popular imagination. Every American loves music of some kind, and there is a Grammy Award. No matter what kind of music you enjoy, whether it's hip-hop or classical or gospel or Cajun or blues, there are Grammy Awards for those musics. So people gravitate to the Grammys as somehow speaking to them personally. And if you win a Grammy, even if you're nominated, so many people, when they introduce them, they will say, Grammy-nominated so-and-so. It's something very close to the heart of everyone in the country. I never appreciated that. I guess I knew it. But when it happens to you and you see in your own life how things change, and they change in a really deep and personal way, then you feel doubly grateful for what has happened. Winning a Grammy Award, as I've said, is like for a writer winning a Nobel Prize because it's the highest honor awarded in the music field. And I never considered myself in any way likely to have that. I was just glad to do the work I did because I believed in it. But then to be nominated, and all of my friends said being nominated is as good as getting it because your name is forever associated with Grammy. But then to win, too, for this project as someone largely unknown in those worlds was, to me, just almost like a dream come true. It still feels like a dream to me because... I don't see myself in those worlds. I see people like T-Bone Burnett and Quincy Jones, whom I've worked with over the years, and that's their world. They are members of the Grammy Awards, and they get a lot of them, and, and they should. But, you know, I've worked as a teacher and written articles and books about the music, and then this box set comes along after 10 years, and it's a different breed of animal. It's a mix of CDs, DVDs, book, all in one. And it sort of broke through the barriers of the worlds that I live in, and it's put us on the stage. And I give credit to Lance and April Ledbetter, this young couple, who founded the Dust to Digital company, and that's what they do. They've won multiple Grammys for their work. When Bill looks back on his career, he also gives students inspiration to find their true calling. 
I've never planned my life as I tell my students, follow your heart and you will be both happy and successful. So my first recordings were simply done because I loved the voices, music, spirituals in the little black church where I went as a very young child, the blues, which I loved as a teenager and ever since. And when I realized that I could record those voices and capture them in a way that was magical and then listen to them on tape, that was something I just instinctively did. And then by hook and crook, I found my way into the field of folklore, which I never heard of. That allowed me to do the work and to eventually finish a Ph.D. degree at the University of Pennsylvania, and then to teach at Jackson State University, at Yale University, at the University of Mississippi, and finally at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So those early recordings were the foundation of what I've done all my life. I still record interviews and photograph with my iPhone. I've, at UNC, been able to finish a lot of the work I started back in the 60s with three books that the UNC Press has published, one on blues, another interviews with writers and artists that I worked with, and the last on my color photography. And I'm now working on a book of my black and white photographs. So I've been doing all that out of love for the material and respect for the people whom it represents. So along comes the Grammy Award. And it just seemed like, you know, well, that's nice, but it will never happen. And then it happened, it was a, pivotal moment. And since it happened, it's unlike anything I've ever done. People on the street who don't know me come up and say, congratulations. We're in the process of making a musical out of the project, a little like Jersey Boys, to produce a musical theatrical production. And we hope to do it through Playmakers here at UNC and all sorts of projects have sprung up in the South, around the country, and overseas, inspired by the Grammys. So it's like a a second life for all the materials I've been working with uh, over so many years. Another inspirational faculty member at Carolina is Sarah Birkin. She's an assistant professor in the Gilling School of Global Public Health. Earlier this year, Birkin launched a podcast with colleagues to share the experiences women have in academia called Academes. For the podcast and for other work that she does, Sarah won a university award for the advancement of women. I am really amazed by the range of people who have approached me to congratulate me and weren't aware that I did this sort of work in addition to my academic work. And also, it's been 
a wonderful way to meet people who are really outside of my um, scholarly field. The other award recipients who are in very different disciplines from mine all over campus. It's been so wonderful to learn about the diversity of experiences and efforts that are being made and to get more involved with the Carolina Women's Center. And it's been great publicity for the podcast, which is lovely. Sarah produces the podcast with Whitney Robinson and Mira Bookbinder, as well as some students. So if you didn't catch our bonus episode, um, it came out on May 9th. Whitney and I talk about how we found out that doing a podcast is hard. (laughs) Who knew? It's been a lot of work, but it's been extremely gratifying. I may have said when we last spoke that it's a conversation that people, it feels like people have been wanting to have this conversation. So it's really gratifying to have a forum for people to, to have that conversation. Because in addition to the podcast, we have a strong Twitter presence and we have events like the one we had on May 16th at the Speakeasy in Carborough where we got together just to kind of shoot the breeze after a great semester and acknowledge all of the hard work because it, it has been such a team effort. We have spent this first semester of the podcast really building an infrastructure. And I want to give particular acknowledgement to Whitney, who is a couple years senior to me and has a large research grant and has the experience of building, you know, having a large grant. And as it turns out, having a podcast, a new podcast, it's like a startup. And you have to build infrastructure around it. Watching Whitney and Mara, because Mara is, I think, the same rank as Whitney, guide me through this process of hiring people and training people and building a brand. It's been a lot of work, but every effort we've made has built towards something sustainable and exciting. So that's been really gratifying. Because of the success of the show, and the conversations they're able to have on Twitter and in person, Sarah's had to change her initial goals for the podcast. I think when we were recording, we had this kind of blissful ignorance (laughs) that we were just talking, um, and it was very private. Interestingly, pretty much out of the gate, we were able to see that there was interest. We had the launch party where we had a really wonderful, big, vibrant crowd, people who were excited about this and really looking forward to it. Also, um, Logan Castrodale, who's been our audio editor, gives us weekly updates on download stats we don't have any idea of like what kind of downloads are good for a podcast, but she does. And she's like, this is good. This is really good. <laughs> that combined with the Twitter engagement to us was pretty clear and early evidence that this was something that people wanted and they were interested in. And um, we're really so grateful for a, a continued interest in the podcast. My goals for the podcast and Whitney's goals, I think I can speak on her behalf as well, as well as Mara's, have shifted over time. As we do succeed with this podcast, our thoughts about what it should be and what we can achieve are growing. That 
is certainly spurred on by the Carolina Women's Center Faculty Scholars Grant, where we had to really push ourselves in thinking about growing the podcast. And some of that involves integrating more of a storytelling dimension to the podcast that we hadn't thought about before. Also increasing diversity with respect to the people that we hire, engaging more students who um, have work-study appointments, um, increasing our socioeconomic diversity, and being more intentional about that than we have been previously. So it's an evolving set of goals, and that is what makes it really exciting. Because I think if I had stuck with my original goals for the podcast, I might be inclined to kind of rest on my laurels because it's so much better and bigger than I ever anticipated it would have been before I got together with Whitney. Having that evolving set of goals has energized the podcast in many respects. You can tune in to season two of Academes in August. But if you missed either of these episodes from Well Said this past spring semester, you can find them both on unc.edu and wherever you get podcasts. If you have a story idea for the summer, please email us at wellsaid at unc.edu or tweet us at unc. Thank you for listening to this episode of Well Said. See you next week. Oh, and uh, by the way, don't worry. Bill got his real Grammy Award. I just got it. They are fabricated with your name and all the information on it in Denver, Colorado, and mine arrived last week along with a beautiful bull of a watch that's engraved on the back with your name, the award. It's a special issue of the watch for the Grammys. So they really make you feel like you're someone very important. When you get that Grammy and you open this big box and it's all carefully inserted into molded styrofoam and then another package arrives with the box of the watch and it's running it has the right date and time they've done everything as good as it can be done so you just take a deep breath and say i guess it really happened it wasn't just an imaginary experience